Amen. So over the last number of weeks, we've been in a series called Nobody's Nobody. And what we have done is we've looked at a number of people in the Bible who some of them probably, some of you never even heard of before, and others, you might be acquainted with what they did, but you never knew their name. And um, if you were here last Sunday, we still don't know the name of the person that Charlotte was teaching about, right? Well, Mrs. Noah is a name, I guess, but we still don't know. But we went right through that, and the whole point was this. They might be unknown, they might just fit into a verse or so here or there somewhere in the Bible, but they are all part of God's story. So they all matter. And the bottom line for us this Sunday morning is looking around this auditorium, every single person is a part of God's story. Nobody is nobody. So here's what I want to do today. I, I, I just want to start off by reading a couple of different Bible passages about characters that you probably will have heard of. And let me begin here. So I'm going to start in the book of Exodus when God spoke to a man called Moses and said to Moses, my people, people of Israel, they are, they are slaves in Egypt here, and I want you to go tell Pharaoh to let them go. Exodus 3, verse 11, Moses answered God, but why me? What makes you think that I could ever go to Pharaoh and lead the children of Israel out of Egypt? God said, I've got a job for you. Moses said, I don't think so. Not me. He didn't think he was up to it. And then, and then a little later in the Old Testament, there was a time when the people of Israel were being uh, really persecuted by, by the, the Midianites, and they were in fear of their lives. And the angel of the Lord came and spoke to a man named Gideon. And in the book of Judges chapter 6, it tells us this. The angel said, you are going to deliver Israel. Gideon said to him, me, my master? How and with what could I ever save Israel? Look at me. My clan's the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the runt of the litter. I'm nobody. And then we jump a little bit farther forward in the Old Testament to a man who was a, a prophet who spoke for God to the nations by the name of Jeremiah. And Jeremiah tells the story of how he came to be a prophet and how God called him and said, here's what I want you to do. And Jeremiah's reply was, hold it, Master God. Look at me. I don't know anything. I'm only a boy. Look at me. I can't do this. I'm nobody. And then, jumping forward into the New Testament, the angel of the Lord had, came, had come and told Mary that she was going to miraculously conceive and would give birth to Jesus. And, and the angel said to Mary, your cousin Elizabeth is, is, is pregnant already, and that's quite a miraculous thing. 
Uh, why don't you go and hang out with her? So, so Mary goes and, and meets up with Elizabeth. And Elizabeth says, as soon as Mary arrives, she said, wow, something's going on here. The, 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 baby, the baby in my womb just kind of jumped as soon as you arrive. And here's what she said. Why am I so blessed that the mother of the Lord visits me? Why am I so blessed that the mother of my Lord visits me? And out of those four stories, and those could be repeated over and over again in the Bible, and they could be repeated over and over again in this room and probably in the room where you're sitting watching online. I'm going to take those four statements and put, merge them together into one question. Who am I? Who am I? Not that you don't know who you are. I sincerely hope you do. If you don't take out your driver's license, it'll tell you, okay? Not, not that you don't know who you are, but, but I mean in, in terms of like, eh, I'm nobody special. Yeah, well, I, I'm just not quite that important. And in the plan of God, folks, nobody is nobody. Everybody matters. Who am I? And I'm going to tell you this, you don't have the right to answer that question. In fact, I'll tell you who has the right to answer that question. A lot of us sang it earlier. Some of you just watched the words on the screen. But a lot of us sang it earlier. I am who you say I am. Who am I? I am who you say I am. I am. So, so here's, here's what I want to do uh, this week, and it's going to carry over to next week because I don't get my full slot today. Uh, here's, here's what we're going to do. I want us to look at what God says about us. Who am I? Because so often we can think, well, you know, I'm not good enough. I'm not godly enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not special enough. Or maybe, well, you know what, I, you know, I know God loves me, but you've got no idea where I've come from. Or you might think, well, you know what, I'm, I'm lesser because I've got these things that I struggle with right now. And, and here's the reality. We must never let our past behaviors or our present battles define us. I am who you say I am. You don't get the right to define yourself this morning. God's got the right to define you because God gave you life. Are you good with that? All right. So, I'll take it that's a yes. So, in light of that, let me tell you who God says you are. A lot of you will know this verse. But the trouble is to know it's one thing, to really grasp it and believe it is another thing. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellence of Him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Who am I? I'll tell you who you are. You are a chosen race. 
a royal priesthood. What's that you say? I'll tell you about that next week. A royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are a people for God's own possession, and and you are those that He has chosen to proclaim His excellence. You're the people who show God to other people. You're the people who show how great and how good God is. And it all begins with this statement, you are a chosen race. So that's where I'm going to camp out for a little bit this morning. Now, I was never athletic in my whole life. I don't know about you, but I was one of those people. I, you know, I didn't suddenly find myself getting a middle-aged spread. I had a middle-aged spread when I was seven years old. <laughs> right? I, I, I battled my weight the, the, the whole of my life. So when I, when I was kind of school age, I was, you know, I wasn't, I didn't play the sports. I didn't do this. Lord, I took classes in classical Greek so that I wouldn't have to do phys ed. Now that, folks, is a very desperate move. But, but that's, that's what I did. I, I just wanted to get out of phys ed. So, so I wasn't remotely athletic. And, and get, add to that, I'm not the most coordinated of people. So when we were a bunch of... You know, In olden times, young people, kids used to just say to their parents, I'm going to the park. And your mother said, be back in time for dinner. And that was it. She didn't ask what you're going to do, who you're going to go with, or anything else. It was like, okay, see you later. And we went to the park, and you go to the park and see who else is there, your chums, and that's where we all hung out. And now and again, now and again, somebody say, hey, let's, uh, let's play football, okay? That's, that's soccer for the uninitiated, okay? Real football. So, so I say, let's play football. Cool. Now, I was no good at football, but like everybody's playing football, I'm going to play football. Every now and again, they tell me, you should be the goalie, the goalkeeper. <laughs> because I think they thought I had the biggest bulk to block some of the area to the goal. But, but then, you know, then we'd start, okay, I'm, you're a captain, you're a captain, pick up sides. Now, when they were picking teams, that was, that was kind of, I knew how that went. I'll take him, 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 I'll take him. Oh, you've got Roger. Because I was the last one left. Or, or, or it was even worse. If there was an odd number of guys, it was even worse. Everybody took, the same, took their picks, and there's just me left. And somebody said, you can have Roger. No, you can have Roger. No, you have Roger. No, you have Roger. It's, it's like, uh, yeah, okay then. Didn't kind of get picked first. But I've been in therapy ever since, and I'm getting much better. But here's what the Bible says about us and God. You are a chosen race. If you are in the family of God today, you are in the family of God because God chose you. And not because you were the last one left that nobody else wanted. You were His first pick. Being in His family was His first plan for you. John chapter 15 and verse 16, Jesus said this, You did not choose me but I chose you. Just think about that for a moment. Jesus says to you, I chose you. The fact you are sitting here this Sunday morning, 
The fact you have a relationship with God this Sunday morning, it comes down to this. Jesus chose you. Isn't that remarkable? Isn't it wonderful? Who am I? I'm chosen by Jesus. Jesus picked me. Now, you might think back, if you, if you think back to kind of some of the links that brought you to faith in Christ, and for some of you, it's looking back a long time, I appreciate. For others, maybe not so much. But you think of, you know, there were probably different people involved that were part of that. But actually, they were all links in the chain so that what God wanted would happen, and what God wanted was that you would be His. You know, there comes a point, or has come a point in so many of our lives, where we committed our lives to Christ, and we, we recognize Jesus as our Lord and as our Savior. But, but, but here's the fact. I might have made a commitment to the Lord, but God actually engineered the whole thing. Clever, isn't He? And you may be here today and you think, well, I'm glad I accepted the Lord. I'm glad you accepted the Lord too. But you know what? The reason you accepted the Lord was God brought everything around so that you would reach that point. It would be wonderful as believers if we could say, well, you know, I chose the Lord. But it's absolutely mind-blowing to know that the Lord chose us. If you are in the family of God today, it's not by chance. It's by choice. God's choice. And, and if you're sitting here this morning and, or, or watching us somewhere online, and, and if you're listening to me right now and you're not part of the family of God just now, and, and, and it's Sunday morning. If you're sitting here in our church building this Sunday morning, you don't know the Lord yet, I've got a question for you. Why, what are you doing here? People do stuff Sunday mornings, or they don't do stuff Sunday mornings. They sleep late. They drink lots of coffee. Or they go to the supermarket and buy everything off the shelves. So when we go after church, there's nothing left. <laughs> it's like, you know, people do stuff Sunday morning. So why, why are you here? What if you're here because God's chosen you and He's drawing you into relationship with Himself? What if you're here today as part of a divine plot that God is drawing you into His kingdom and into His family? And if you've got a better reason for being here, let me know afterwards. But if you don't know the Lord yet, I'm going to suggest you're probably sitting here today because God's got His eyes on you and God's drawing you in. You didn't choose me, Jesus said. I chose you. You know, you know what that means? That means that none of us has got anything to brag about about the fact that we're believers, right? Ephesians 1 and verse 4 says this, even before He made the world, God loved us and chose us. 
Okay, I was not alive before God made the world. Just after I was, but before God made the world, I was not alive, right? So actually, before I had been born, before you had been born, here's what the Bible says, God loved you and God chose you. So there's nothing there of my merit, nothing I deserve. God didn't look down from heaven and say, Roger, he's a good guy. I think he deserves to be part of my family. That's not what happened. Actually, what really happened, I think, was God looked at me and said, there's Roger. He's going to screw up royally. I better really get a hold of him now. God chose us before the world began. I love dogs. Now, I know some people don't love dogs, and that's good. Some of you perhaps don't, and that's okay. This church exists for people who don't know Jesus yet. But, but, but I, but I, yeah, no, I, I, lo I love dogs. We, we, and, you know, the trouble is with dogs, they don't live as long as we do, right? And, and, and uh, we, we, we lost uh, one of our dogs a few years ago, and it was heartbreaking. And uh, for a while, we didn't have a dog, and then there came a point where, as with most things in my life, my daughter said, Dad, here's what you need to do. So uh, she said, you need to get Mom a dog. So I went online, and I found this place that did rescue dogs, and they had, they had pictures of dogs there. And so I'm scrolling through, and I'm looking, and I'm trying to work out, you know, what breed, well, you know, or what size the dog's going to be, basically, because I, Lord, I, I don't need a big dog. Uh, and I'm looking through, and I'm scrolling through all these pages, and I see this scruffy-looking puppy, and I think, that's the one. And he is a scruffy-looking puppy. He's a mutt. In some ways, he's weird-looking. I don't know what he's a, I don't know Fits in, fits in with me, right? So I, I, you know, I don't know what he's a mix between even, you know, but he's our puppy. And I'm glad that that was the one that we chose. He had nothing to do with it. He had no say in it. We chose him and we took him home. And you and I are part of the family of God today because God chose us. God chose us before we were even born and said, he's going to be mine. She's going to be mine. Now, I know there are people then who, who get a little bit kind of confused with this. They say, well, what does that mean? God picked some people and he didn't pick other people. I don't understand the whole workings of how God works. That's not a cop-out. That's fact. I do not, and nor do you, Right? We don't understand the whole, all I know is what the Bible says to those who are believers is, God chose you. God chose you. And you know what, I'll leave it there, and I'll leave what I don't understand with God, and trust He knows what He's doing, and He does good. Right? So, that, so, so God, God chose us. 1 Corinthians 1, 27 says this, isn't it obvious that God deliberately chose men and women that the culture overlooks and exploits and abuses. God deliberately, actually in older translations it just says this, God chose the nobodies. 
But God did the choosing. God has built a family of ordinary people. He chose the most unlikely. He, he, he chose some who, who, who were disinterested, but he drew us. It's not about our abilities. It's not about what we've done. It's not about what we deserve. It's about the fact that God got a hold of us and made us his. Who am I? Who am I? Who am I? I am a chosen race. I am part of a chosen race. Sorry, I'm just pausing while I look at the clock and look at my notes and wonder where to go next. Have you got a few minutes? All right, you said it. Okay. And, and here's very quickly, three, three things. God, God chose us. The, the Bible says God chose us so that our lives would bear fruit. John 15, 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit fruit that will last. God chose us so that our lives would be a blessing too and that they would impact other people. And, and when the Bible talks about, you know, we, 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 he made us, chose us so we would bear fruit, it's, I mean, that's quite obvious, right? Out of one tree comes all this fruit, so it multiplies, because out of the fruit then comes the seed that can grow another tree that can grow. And, and God chose us so that our lives would be fruitful. And what that means is our lives would impact the lives of others for Jesus. Just as we simply serve Him, live for Him, and demonstrate Jesus. Secondly, going back to Ephesians 1.4, even before He made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in His eyes. God chose us to be holy. God chose us to be without fault. You know what I like about this is, is God didn't choose us and say, no, you've got to be holy and you've got to be without fault. God chose us so that He could guide us down that pathway. I don't do too good at being holy by myself, do you? It's good. Three honest people in a group this size is… Right? I, I mean, I, you know, it's, it's like try and fail, try and fail, do better and not do better, right? But, but the fact is, it is God in the end. In fact, the Bible says that. It's God who works in us. That's what it's all about. So the God who called us, what He's, trying, what he's working on doing is making us like Himself. So God called us so we'd be like Himself. And, and then… 1 Corinthians 1.27, I want to look at the entirety of that verse. Isn't it obvious that God deliberately chose men and women the culture overlooks, exploits, and abuses, chose these nobodies to expose the hollow pretensions of the somebodies? God chose us to reflect His reality. In the days in which the New Testament was written, and to a great degree today, religion had become an intellectual exercise. It had become a bunch of rituals strung together. And God chose us 
so that we could show it's not about that. That's nothing. That's hollow. That's empty. God chose us so that as ordinary people, we could show what the love of God does for us. We are chosen. A chosen race. A chosen race. In the book of Revelation, there's a description of heaven, and in chapter 5, it describes people who were singing around the throne of God. And it says they were singing, hey, you were slain, and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. I love that. I love that. There are people who know the Lord. There are people who love Jesus from every tribe, every language, every people group, and every race. I get confused sometimes when I fill in forms. I get confused sometimes anyway. But you know when you fill in forms nowadays and they ask you what's your ethnicity and what's your race? Does anybody else get confused with those two questions or is it only me? It's like, what are they actually after here? It's like, what do you, what do you... And often, when it's an option, I don't even answer those because I think it's an irrelevance. It doesn't matter. What color skin I've got is not important. Unless there's a medical thing that you might be particularly predisposed to. Uh, but in general, what color skin I've got doesn't matter. Right? My ethnicity is irrelevant. My race is irrelevant. Heck, I get, I, I get mixed up when people say to me, what's your nationality? <laughs> Dear Lord, I'm English-born, Scottish adopted by wonderful people in that country. I don't mean literally adopted, but Scottish adopted. And then, better than many of you today, I'm American by choice. Yeah. Right? So there we go. There we go, right? English, Scottish, American. I get confused even with that. But you see, here's the bottom line. And here's the one that really matters. I am part of God's chosen race. That's my race. That's my identity. That's where I belong. I'm part, I'm part of the race that is God's chosen race. And in heaven, people from every country, every tribe, every language, whatever, they were there because they're part of God's chosen race. What a wonderful thing. Look around this place today. Look at the people in front of you and, and, and alongside of you and, and just think for a moment, dear Lord, we're part of the same race. We are God's chosen race. Amen. Right? It doesn't matter where you were born. It doesn't matter what your mother tongue is. It doesn't matter what the color of your skin is. It doesn't matter what your social standing is. It doesn't matter what your education is. It doesn't matter what your bank balance is. If you are chosen by God, if you're a part of the family of God, you are part of God's chosen race. That, that is who I am. And I'm going to let him define me. 
Not my own doubts about myself, not my own misgivings, not my own insights into parts of me that still need help. I'm going to let him define me. I am who you say I am. And God says, I'm part of his chosen race. Or as it says in Philippians 3 and verse 20. See, even the youngsters get this. You know you're preaching simple enough when the youngsters get it. Here we go. Our citizenship, folks, is in heaven. Hallelujah. Thank God for that. Listen, nobody's nobody. Nobody's nobody. Who am I? Who am I? I am part of God's chosen race. And my reminder to you this Sunday morning, wherever your life's at right now, whatever may be in your mind, whatever self-doubt you might be tempted to carry, the reality is this. If you know Christ is your Savior, you are part of God's chosen race. And here's just, just one more thing. And this is, the really the, this is really such a key thing. If you are not part of God's chosen race, then it may be this morning you're hearing what I'm saying because God wants today to be the day where you accept His embrace and you come into the family of God. And if you're here today watching us online just now and you don't know the Lord for yourself, I, I want to tell you the fact you're here means God wants you. And I want to take a few moments and invite you just to open your heart to him and say, Lord, come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Make me part of your family. Let's pray together.